And uh, can, go ahead, put the first slide on. Jake got me this slide. The title of my sermon is, Man, Are You in Trouble When You Get Home With Your Wife? And Jake found this Lego thing. I'm like, ah, that's that younger generation. How many of you that are like 40 and above, did you have Legos growing up? Any? You did? All right, how about 50 and above? Did you have Legos growing up? You did? All right, I give up. I had Lincoln Logs, Tinker Toys, and Erector sets, so I must be a lot older than I realize. I don't remember Legos until like grandchildren. Did we get them for our kids? Kevin? Okay. Hmm. Well, are you in trouble when you get home with the wife? Let me see. Are you? Yeah. And you'll see as we read through this. Now, I have some humor about husbands and wives. Um, You know, people laughed at the first one. People laughed at the third one. They didn't laugh so much at the second one. So I'm like, oh boy. So, but here they are. A man inserted an ad in the classifieds. Wife wanted. Next day, he received 100 letters. They all said the same thing. You can have mine. I thought of, and I'm, don't read into it. I thought it was funny. This is the one. It doesn't matter how often a married man changes his job. He still ends up with the same boss. Now, if you don't understand that, see me afterwards. So, wife, how would you describe me to her husband? Husband says, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. Wife, what does that mean? Husband, adorable, beautiful, cute, delightful, elegant, fashionable, gorgeous, and hot. Wife, ah, oh, thank you. But what about IJK? Husband, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So, all right, let's read why David is going to be in trouble when he gets home to the wife. I don't know why the wife wasn't even with him worshiping the Lord. So let's pick up in verse 12. Now, King David was told... The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Now, this is the second time he's attempting to bring the ark to Jerusalem. The first time is back in verse 5. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets. I was like, do we have any Spanish with castanets? I don't know if I've ever been in a church service with castanets. So, with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, syndromes, cymbals. So they're rejoicing. Verse 13, when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michelle, I know it can be Michaela, whatever, there's 40 pronunciations, I picked the easy one for me. Michelle, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. Instead of being involved in the worship, she's a spectator. She's watching from the window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. 
He's blessing them. The church service is over. And verse 19, notice what he does. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. You know, if David does this at the end of a church service, I think we should follow this too. So at the end of the service, we've brought in bread for you on tables. We are the most biblical church in the whole world. We follow exactly what David did. So there's bread. Sometimes there's bread with raisins in it even out there, okay, and some donuts thrown in. So if you don't see the good stuff, it's because you weren't at the 8 o'clock service. Okay. So just, I, I always think that the steak and lobster gets taken from the 8 o'clock people. Does any of you ever make it to this service? Yeah. Verse 29. When David returned home to bless his household, Michelle, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, Ah, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David, David said to Michelle, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler, ruler of the Lord's people, Israel. I, I will celebrate before the Lord. She's not celebrating before the Lord, but I am going to celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. So let's stop there because I want to talk about worship with you. So worship, let me just summarize. It's, we come to church, but we should be worshiping the Lord every day. But worship is like putting God number one, first, foremost in our mind, thought, worshiping with all of our strength, our soul, our spirit. It's just lifting up the Lord and celebrating in his presence. So the lessons I saw is I'm going to celebrate before the Lord. It's funny how many spiritual Michelles are out there that are always criticizing, you know, different ways you worship. Oh, I, I lift up my hands. I don't like that lifting hand stuff up. I, 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 and, and I don't like if you sing contemporary or hymns or I don't like if you fall down on your face. There's always spiritual Michelles. But listen, I'm going to tell all you spiritual Michelles. I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate before the Lord. I'm going to worship him. Okay, so... I know you might not like, but I'm going to celebrate before Jesus. So I want to talk about three things. Musical instruments, dancing, and the clothes that David wore. So let's talk about the musical instruments. So you saw back in verse 5 that they had all kinds of instruments in the worship of the Lord. Come to Psalm 150. Put your ribbon there in 2 Samuel 6 and come to Psalm 150. You know, there are, I, I call them spiritual Michelles, who say we shouldn't have musical instruments in the church age because it's not mentioned in the New Testament. But I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. But there are some people that are like, no, musical instruments are bad during the church age. But yet I find that so fascinating because in Psalm 150, here's a song given by God himself that kind of tells us how to worship him. And I don't see God changing that in the New Testament. I don't see God going, hey, I don't want musical instruments in the New Testament anymore, just your voices. I, I just don't see that. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. 
praise God in his sanctuary. We believe that's talking about the earthly sanctuaries. And praise him in the mighty heavens. So when you praise him on the earth and when you praise him in the heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I don't get where these people are like somehow instruments are, are evil or bad or you can't use them. I just, I don't get it, right? God's own instructions. The way David set up the worship in the, tap, in the temple gave the instructions to Solomon how to set it up. But let's go to celebrating before the Lord with dancing. Michelle, she didn't like that. Ugh! She's looking out the window, and she sees, we're told, she sees David celebrating and dancing, and she's disgusted with him. How could you be expressing yourself like that? So, true story. When I got saved in the 70s, if, if you were a Christian back in the 70s, you know this is true. Dancing was forbidden to all Christians back then, right? When I went to a Christian college, I had to sign a thing that I will never dance ever again in my life, okay? I think when I became a pastor in this district, I had to sign a thing, I will never dance again. Now, the problem, and here's my first experience I, I came from, you know, a Catholic background, and they had dances at the church pretty often. So I get saved. I hear the gospel. I get saved. I'm a Christian for about three weeks. And there's a contemporary worship band. And I said, I'm just a Christian, three weeks old, okay? I'm still reading through the gospel of John. I said to, at the greeting time, to three older saint women by me, I said, how come they don't have the contemporary music down in the basement of the church so we can do some dancing? They did an exorcism on me right then and there to drive out the demon of dancing from my life. I had no idea that I wasn't supposed to dance, that that was like, oh, that is forbidden by God. Absolutely not. Then I read the Bible for myself, and I was like, I don't get where the Christians like outlawed dancing I get, you know, and then they'll say, well, look what happened when Aaron, and when they were worshiping the calf, and they were dancing around the calf, God brought his judgment. I'm like, was the judgment on the dancing, or was the judgment on that idol that they were worshiping? I see lots of other places where people were dancing, so I, I just don't get it. Psalm 149. Psalm 149, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. I think we're going to be singing new songs. I know there are new songs in the New Testament. Some say you should only sing the Psalms, spiritual Michelles. There are new songs in the New Testament. There are new songs in, in Revelation, and we'll always be creating new songs for all eternity. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their, in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp, for the Lord takes delight in his people. Now, I, I gotta stop. 
Some people say, Pastor Joe, we never see you dancing. I'm like, you don't see me Sunday morning when I'm preaching? I'm doing the cha-cha-cha often, okay? I'm like, I'm, I'm always like dancing. I get the privilege of preaching God's word, and it puts a dance in my step. At home, I love, I only listen to Christian music, but we put Christian music on, and we exercise, and we dance before the Lord. It's, it's very, very nice. So let's come to, oh, well, let me back up here. Some believers say, well, musical instruments and dancing is not in the New Testament. That's why we can't do it. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. So let's put that to rest for a second. Do you know the parable of the prodigal son? Do you know the parable of the prodigal son? Remember, that's the son that takes off and wastes his life and prostitutes and money and loses everything, winds up in the pig pen. Every theologian knows that this is a story about a soul turning to God the Father. I don't know any theologian that says, oh, this is just a story about a human father and a human son. This is a parable about God the Father how he accepts us when we come back to him in repentance and brokenness. So, let, let me pick up in verse 19. The prodigal son says, I'm no, he's practicing. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to his father, I have sinned. This is, this is all of us saying to our heavenly father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the, what's the first thing that the father says to bring? The best robe. Remember that. That speaks spiritually of the robe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The best robe is his righteousness that we get clothed with. I want you to keep that in mind, okay? The best robe and put it on him. When you get saved, you're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the robe of his righteousness. Put a ring on his finger of sonship, sandals on his feet to share the gospel. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For my son, the son of mine, was dead, not physically dead, spiritually dead, spiritually dead. But now he's alive, he's born again, he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So they began to celebrate. God loves to celebrate. He loves to celebrate when a sinner repents and comes to him. Meanwhile, verse 25, they're celebrating. The older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he, what did he hear? That, that word there for music is musical instruments. It's not singing. He probably heard singing too, but I'm just telling you, the word is for instruments. And then he, what else did he see? The, I, and I call the older son, the older son is talking about the Pharisees. Those are the, the religious people that play at church. What else does he see happening? He hears the music, and what else? They're dancing. 
Let me tell you, this is from Jesus himself, and he's giving us a picture of here's what happens in heaven. When a soul gets saved, all the saints in heaven, you can read the first part of Luke chapter 15, verse 10 and all. I tell you, there's more rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So up in heaven, when a soul gets saved, they realize someone just got eternal salvation. Someone has just literally become a part of the family of God and is going to live for us and with us in heaven forever. I mean, they are celebrating up in heaven. They're dancing and playing and singing and worshiping Jesus Christ and thanking him. And Jesus is referring to this. So I, you spiritual Michelles, keep your, you know, you just want to observe other people worship and then you know, carry on. So let's talk about the clothing. So David, when Michelle sees David leaping and dancing, so I have to tell you what David's wearing. And we know what David's wearing from the parallel passage in First Chronicles. It goes over the same story. So let's, let's read this. So David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of units of a thousand went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with rejoicing because God had helped the Levites who were carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Seven bulls and seven rams were sacrificed. Now David was clothed in what? A robe of fine linen. Does anyone know what color fine linen is? It's white. So David is clothed in a robe of white, fine linen. Now, normally as a king, you would be clothed with kingly out robes, multiple robes. They'd be purple and maroon and blue and all the colors. So, you know, clothing was very expensive back in those days. They didn't have factories and machines. So most people only had one set of clothing, maybe two sets. But the king could really show off because, I mean, you can imagine the amount of work that went into making the kingly outfit. But David takes off the kingly clothes and puts on a white robe. It's as if, oh, I'm not a king here. I am a worshiper. The church service, the ground is level. Look, when you, here's, here's a, a service up in heaven. When, you, when we're worshiping, it's not about us. So in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive all power. If you're coming to church and you're like the president, a senator, some, somehow powerful, and you're trying to show off by how you dress or how you act, you know, I have a lot of power. You're not in a worship service. When we come to worship, Christ has all the power. We are worshipers. We, I know we're everything in Jesus Christ, but we are nothing. The power that any person has is only the power that Jesus Christ gave to you for a very short while. When you come to church and you're trying to show off your wealth, 
I hope people see my fancy jewelry and my outfits to know that I'm pretty wealthy. I don't know who, you, you forgot, you're in a worship service. There's only one person that has all the wealth. That's Jesus Christ. And when you come to church, you might want to be like, I want to show how smart. I want to show off how smart I am. It isn't how smart you are. Do that, you know. When we come into the Lord's presence, when you come into the Lord's presence, he's the brains. We're, we're nothing, okay? If you come, to, he gets, if you're trying to show off how strong you are. All, so David says, I'm not a king. I'm a worshiper, a believer. It isn't about, I don't want people looking at me. I don't want people saying, well, look at, there's King David. There's, I I am one with the rest. Well, let's, let's, whoa, let's go back for a second here. So let's see. Um, verse 27, David was clothed in a robe of fine linen. So he's in a robe of white, as were all the Levites. And I told you, we're spiritual Levites. So all the thousands of servants of the Lord, they're all in white robes. And wait, and the musicians, and the singing of the choirs, they're all in white robes playing. And then verse 28, so all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouts and the sounding of ram's horns and trumpets and cymbals and playing of lyres and harps as the ark of the covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David. Michelle, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David dancing and celebrating, she despised him in her heart. <gasps> now she carries on. You know my sermon title, are you going to be in trouble when you get home? And when David comes home, he's so happy. Michelle says to him, you really were undignified taking off your kingly robes and acting like a commoner. And you were half naked. Well, the white robe would have a slit. And so probably when David was dancing, you could see his calf. And she's like, ah, people could see that you're, Half naked, your calf. Now, I want you to look, 2 Samuel 6, what David says to her. Because I don't want you to miss this. So she's like, ah, oh, you're half naked in full view of the slave girls, as any vulgar fellow would. You know, you're a commoner. You should, what happened to your position as a king and, and your pride? And verse 20, so come to verse 22. He tells his wife, I will become even more undignified than this. You thought I was undignified in the white robe where people could see my calf? I'm going to get even more undignified. And then he says, than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. So that's so weird that David says, you think... That me being in a white robe and showing my calves, I'm going to be even more undignified than that in the future. And I'm going to be ashamed. I'm going to be humiliated in my own eyes. Now, some may say, is David prophesying about when he sins with Bathsheba? We don't think he's prophesying about when he sins with Bathsheba. We think that David is talking about the day he's going to stand before God as his judge and will not just be showing his calves, but will be naked.
before the Lord. There's lots of verses on this, but let me give you a few. Hebrews 4, 12 to 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Reminds you in the verse in Timothy, naked we come into the world and naked we leave. David is saying, I'm worshiping the Lord, I'm dancing, I know you saw my calves, but there'll be a day I'm gonna stand before God and be more humiliated in my own eyes when I am naked before God and he sees my life and all the sins I've done and and everything. Come with me to Revelation chapter three. We're done in 2 Samuel. Come with me to Revelation chapter three. We're gonna finish out in Revelation here. Chapter three. I wanna recommend to all of you that you want to get a robe. Just as in the prodigal story of the prodigal son, you want the best robe that you can get. It's a robe of white. It's a robe that represents the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's the robe that David, the Levites, the musicians, the worshipers all wore in white. I've been at churches, and there are certain churches that really take this literal, and everyone that goes to the church is dressed in white. I don't think we have to do that at all. I put on a white suit, Cochester. I, I pulled out white pants, but I said, ah, oh, let's not go overboard. Okay. Chapter 3, Jesus is talking to the church of Laodicea. And some believe that this is the, the church age that we're in right now. So, let's see, verse 34 to the, or is it 14? I can't read, it's too small. 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I've got lots of money. I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But Jesus goes to these Christians, but you do not realize that you are, and this is spiritually, okay? You're spiritually wretched. You're spiritually pitiful. You're spiritually poor. Even though you got lots of money, you're actually spiritually poor. You're spiritually blind. And you're spiritually what? Naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become spiritually rich. And, and what to wear? And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful what? Nakedness, okay? And then salve, the Holy Spirit, the oil of the salve to put on your eyes so you can spiritually see. So Jesus is telling everyone you need to be clothed in white, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, so that your shameful nakedness, your shameful sins can be covered over by the righteousness of the Lord. Now, don't lose revelation. 
But I think about this interesting parable that Jesus gives in Matthew 22. And it's a parable about, it's obviously about heaven and about the wedding of Jesus with his bride, the church. So Jesus spoke to them again in parable saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a banquet for his son, which will occur at the end of the tribulation up in heaven. But when the king, now you have to understand, when a king would throw a wedding ceremony for their son, they would give wedding clothes to all the guests because most people only had one set of clothes that they worked in, played in, that would be muddy, dirty, you know, stained. And so the king gave wedding clothes for all the guests to come to the wedding of his son. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. This is the spouse that, and I don't think this literally could happen, but it's the gist. The spouse who thinks they're going to get to heaven because their spouse is a believer. So they're going in on their coattails. This is the kids that think they're going to heaven because the parents are going to heaven and they're going to somehow get in. Or you, you think you're going to heaven because you go to church at Life Point and you think you're going to get into heaven. But you never gave your heart to Jesus Christ. You never got the robe, the best robe. The best robe is the robe of righteousness by Jesus Christ on the cross. He took your unrighteousness, your sin, and then he closed. It's nice that this is white right here. I know that's for Easter, but... You're, you're clothed in the wedding clothes that prepares you to be in heaven. So he, he goes, how did you get in here without your wedding clothes, friend? The man's speechless. Then the king told the attendants, throw him into hell. He doesn't have that robe on. He doesn't have the robe. Chapter 4 of Revelation. Here's a scene up in heaven. And around the throne... In heaven, you perhaps have heard about the 24 thrones of elders. So chapter 4, let's see, verse 2. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby. Okay, well, let me read on. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. So one theory is it's 12 elders of the Old Testament and perhaps the 12 apostles of the New Testament. But we don't really know. But there's 24 elders sitting around the throne. And they were dressed in what? What are they dressed in? White. <laughs> They're dressed in white. All right, come over to chapter 7. Let's take another peek of heaven. This is in the future. Verse 9. After this, I looked. Verse, chapter 7, verse 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. So this is a scene up in heaven. There's so many people, you can't count them. They're from every nation, every tribe, every people group, every language, standing before the throne of the Father and before the Lamb, Jesus. They were wearing, what are they wearing? White robes. 
Are you getting a theme here? King David's in a white robe. The Levites are in a white robe. The musicians and singers are in white robes. They're worshiping the Lord because it's, white is purity. It's, it speaks of the righteousness of Christ. You gotta be dressed in wedding clothes. In Revelation chapter three, you're not, you need to get dressed in a white robe to hide the, your nakedness and sinfulness of Jesus Christ. The elders are dressed in white robes. Now all the people in heaven are in white robes. Verse 10. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, amen. Then one of the elders, so one of the elders, those 24 elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where do they come from? I answered, sir, you know, And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the what? The blood of the lamb. How do we get white robes? I I know this is a crude illustration, But our righteousness is as filthy rags, filthy clothes stained with our sin. We take our clothes off and we put it into God's washing machine. And God pours in the tide of the blood of Jesus Christ. And our righteousness is dissolved, paid for by Jesus Christ. And out comes a white robe made white in the blood of of the lamb and that's the white coat that's the wedding dress you must be clothed with if you want to be a worshiper of Jesus Christ in heaven it's not your righteousness it's giving your heart to Jesus Christ and being clothed in his righteousness so let's bow our heads close our eyes Christians praying is if there's anyone here that you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ You spiritually are naked. You're spiritually going to be in big trouble when you stand before God and you do not have a savior and you are not clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ with a white robe where God doesn't see your sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You need to ask Jesus Christ into your heart to be your savior. You're spiritually dead. When you give your heart to Jesus, you're going to spiritually become alive. You are lost. When you come to Jesus, you're going to be found. God is searching for you. He's looking for you. You're here this morning because God's calling you. So I'm going to pray a prayer out loud, and I invite you to pray silently with me if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. I'll pray out loud. You pray silently. Lord Jesus... I have sinned against you, God, and against heaven. I am not worthy to be a son or daughter of heaven because of my sin. But Jesus, thank you for paying the, by your blood, 
shed on the cross, paying for my sins, taking my sins upon yourself. Clothe me in that white robe of your righteousness. Thank you for covering over my sins with the blood, your blood. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that someday I get to be in heaven, worshiping around the throne, experiencing life like never could imagine. Thank you for saving my soul with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you I want to pray a prayer of blessing over those of you who prayed that prayer with me, no one's looking, every head is bowed. If you prayed that prayer to give your heart to Jesus, I'd like you to just slip your hand up and then after I see you, put it down. Say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you to give my heart to the Lord. Just slip your hand up and after I see you, put it down. Anyone here this morning? Okay. Father, um, I think my, my spirit testifies that I'm in the midst of believers in the church here. And we're going to close out as believers. And we are going to celebrate with these songs that all speak, these, these hymns of the faith that all speak about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to make us white and to make us pure and to clothe us in the righteousness of Christ. And so th- just for the next four or five minutes, we're going to celebrate before the Lord. No spiritual Michelles are welcomed. They'll have to watch from outside the windows. Um, we're just going to celebrate together. In your name we pray. Amen.